Today's episode brought to you by BossPods.com. Want a podcast like a boss? We've got the inside word on how to set up a podcast that's actually worth something. We've got the industry's best to show you how. BossPods.com. Podcast like a boss. So, have you pl- did you play this weekend? Yeah, I played today. So, it was my second match for Collingwood. It's been, you know, a little frustrating being on the sidelines, but... I mean, that's the nature of, I guess, the elite sport. You're really competing for your position. So the last two weeks, the girls had wins. So it was nice to celebrate them, but it was just awesome today to celebrate our third win in a row and actually be on the field and and really belt out that song. It must be quite an extraordinary feeling. I mean, you know, in the context of what the AFLW kind of represents – uh, in in 2017, not only as as a as a, as a collective of players winning a sporting uh, event, which would feel, I imagine, pretty remarkable anyway, but to be essentially creating history as you're going through it must be quite an extraordinary feeling. Yeah, it is, and I think that feeling will probably be you know more reflected upon, I guess, when we finish playing football and we can look back at what we did in this inaugural season. I mean, in the moment now, it is a phenomenal experience. Um, You know, playing in front of the crowds that we've got to play in front of, you know, we never thought it would create that much interest. But, you know, even in the the first round, there was, I think, 50,000 people that attended all four games, plus, you know, a television viewing audience. Um, I can't remember the actual number, but it was really quite significant. So I, I just think we're all pleasantly surprised that we've created this interest and we can be role models for, for girls. But also, um, you know, I feel really privileged because I know how much hard work has gone into developing this league. And there's, there's um, women out there that, you know, were presidents um, of the Victorian Women's Football League and really pioneers of women's football um, that have made this possible for us. Lou Watton has just finished playing her first season for Collingwood Football Club in the inaugural AFL women's season. Lou had actually retired from playing Aussie Rules football to pursue a career as a triathlon athlete, but the temptations of playing football at a professional level, a concept she thought she'd never see in her lifetime, lured her back to the game. The grand final of the AFLW is being played this Saturday, March 25th, between Brisbane and Adelaide at the Metricon Stadium on the Gold Coast. To download this full interview, head to comingupnext.com.au where you can find all episodes of Coming Up Next, including episodes with people like Stephanie Rice, Molly Meldrum and Samuel Johnson. You might also decide you'd like to subscribe to the show via the iTunes, Stitcher or Podbean links. While you do that, here's this week's episode with Collingwood Football Club player Lou Watton. Do you remember the first time that you did play football maybe as a kid uh, growing up do you remember that kind of what was it about football that really inspired you growing up yeah I um I'm from a family of three girls so I'm the youngest and my middle sister was really quite sporty so I think in the beginning she just wanted someone to play sport with so we spent hours in the front yard playing cricket um playing footy 
Um, we spent hours in the back garden playing basketball. Um, so she really probably introduced me to sport. Uh, and I didn't really play um, organised football until high school. And when I was in high school, it wasn't actually an organised sport for girls. So I begged a PE teacher to, you know, organise some matches for us. And I have really fond memories of those matches at high school because um, it was a bit of a novelty, I guess, because it wasn't an organised sport. But it wasn't until I finished high school that I started playing in the Victorian Women's Football League. And I remember being really scared when I first played my first game because of the physicality of the sport. But I do also remember just around that time, just before the football season started, I actually shaved my head for um, one of the cancer charities. So I always thought, well, I'm going to probably look a bit scarier than some other people. So uh, that, that kind of gave me a bit more confidence in my first match. And there's a lot of uh, probably misconceived ideas that, um, that a women's AFL league might, be, uh, might, might have different rules, I suppose. Um, but, you know, you guys have certainly, um, certainly kind of squashed or, or dampened any of those kind of uh, ideas. Uh, you know, the, the league is, you know, as uh, intense and uh, brutal, I suppose, as, mm. as the men's is. I suppose it's an interesting kind of idea when you're in, um, when you're in high school and, and you're starting out trying to step into that really kind of aggressive side was that something that after this you know after this kind of initial uh, fear was it something that you kind of embraced or is it always something that you're a little bit uh, skeptical or intimidated by no I think in high school I was kind of one of the more physical types Um, I'm quite tall and I've got a bigger body Um, so I think it was just you know, my first few games in the Victorian Women's Football League, you know, playing against people that had played a lot of football. Now I like to be the one that's quite physical. Um, I like to give a big hip and shoulder and that kind of thing. So <laughs> after my first few games, I kind of got over that and, and I really love the physicality of the sport. And, and as you were saying, like a lot of people used to ask me, you know, the rules the same? Can you tackle in, in women's football? I used to get all these sorts of questions, um, you know, does it hurt to mark the ball on your chest and, you know, all these kind of weird questions that you'd get. And as the years have gone on, you know, initially people didn't think there was even a women's football league. They had no idea that there was one. So to go back and remember those kind of questions being asked of me and then now it's, you know, on free-to-air TV every week. And everyone knows there's a women's league and everyone knows the rules are the same. You know, so it's really come in leaps and bounds. I mean, we do have a couple of modified rules for our first competition. We play with 16 a side instead of 18 a side on the field. And there's no bouncing of the ball. It's just thrown up. And we have a slightly smaller football just to accommodate for women's hands on average being smaller. But in terms of the physicalness of the game, there's no difference in any of the rules with the tackling or anything like that. So as you were growing up and you were starting to play, um, you know, quite regularly, uh, who did you who did you support growing up? I've always been a Melbourne Demons girl. Oh. So um, <laughs> it was a bit of a hard choice to choose Collingwood in the end. But, um, yeah, 
that's okay. Well, it's a Melbourne-based club and they've got a, a yeah. an amazingly rich um, tradition and history. Certainly more successful than uh, than the Demon. I'm also a Demon supporter. Uh, oh, in, okay. in the last, yeah, so you know uh, the hard battles. <laughs> yes, I do. I was at the grand final in 2000 uh, as the only, oh, wow. the only grand final in my lifetime that I'll probably ever get to see. No, no, I won't say that. Yeah. Um, no, we're, we're, we've got a better side this year. We're very, we've got some promise coming through. We do. Um, but back to uh, what I was initially going to ask, which was, did you, did you ever believe that while you were playing? that you would ever be able to play professionally or did it always seem like a kind of like a pipe dream and, and that you were just going to have to accept the fact that only men could play professionally? Yeah, no, I never thought that a women's national league would come about in my playing time. As I said, I started playing football when I was 18, when I finished high school and I played 13 years in a row. And towards the end of my 13 years of playing footy, I thought that I'd give triathlon a go. So I actually retired from football two years ago, um, went across to triathlon and I wanted to do some Ironman events and I knew I couldn't play football plus train for them. Um, so, yeah, I actually stepped away from the game and it wasn't until Gil McLaughlin came on board that he announced that he wanted to fast-track the Women's League and make it happen in 2017. And when I heard that, I started thinking about pulling the boots on again and I'm really glad I did because I've been a part of this first inaugural season of AFLW. Now you, were the, uh, you were the captain of the Eastern Devils for 10 years before you hung up the boots. Yeah, that's right. What, what did it mean to you to be given the captaincy of, of a club and not only to be given it but to be given it for a decade? Look, I, I loved the Eastern Devils. They were like my second family. So to be able to captain or be the captain of that club for 10 years really meant a lot to me. And to, and to walk away from the game was, was a really difficult decision because I knew I wasn't just giving up football, that I was giving up seeing, I guess, my second family three times a week. So it was really, you know, football clubs are more than just football. It's that really deep connection that you have, that community feel. So, you know, I was, yeah, I was really privileged to be able to captain that side for 10 years. What does it mean to be a captain? I suppose, you know, on the field, you kind of get the sense that it's, it, you're the leader and you're the, you set the example and you set the benchmark. But I suppose in a more day-to-day context, you know, you talk about it as being like a second family and, you know, to kind of skip forward a little bit as well as you said at the beginning you know to you guys of the um, AFLW are a significant role models for younger women I suppose what does it mean in, in a day-to-day sense to be a captain and do you feel as though that's kind of uh, given you a, a thrust now that you have this kind of um, position in in Collingwood in the AFLW Yeah, I think as a captain, as you said, um, I like to lead by example and whether that's on the field or off the field, I think they're both extremely important. And it's also about when you're a leader, about making sure that you can get the best out of other people and and that's different for everyone you've got. So, you know, it's really challenging at times to be a leader of a football club because, you know, you can have anywhere up to 60 people on your playing list 
um, and 60 female personalities can be a real challenge at times. Mm. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, you know, and there's all sorts of sorts of ages as well. So, yeah, I, you know, I did see myself as a bit of a role model and, you know, you always have to make sure that you are behaving in, in the good manner. But I guess at the end of the day, you can't try too hard. You've got to be your natural self. And um, I think that's what my teammates saw in me. They keep selecting me to be be their leader. And I guess, as you said, on a bigger scale now in the AFLW, um, there are so many people that, that look up to us. Um, and, and you don't actually realise it until, you know, you finish a match and, you know, today after our match, how many people want you to sign autographs or, you know, they want to take a selfie with you and that kind of thing. You do know that you are, you know, paving the way for these girls of the future so that they can grow up. I know my niece, she's five, so she's not going to know any different, which is fantastic. She's going to always know that women play football and men play football at the highest level. So that's really inspiring. It's extraordinary. Um, And again, what a, what a, I suppose, thing to be a a part of, Um, you know, I suppose not only as a as a um, as a player, but also you know for all the people that have that have witnessed this um, this change, this really significant moment. Because as you say, the the next generation will probably take for granted to an extent, but will always mm-hmm. uh, have lived through a, a time where it was on equal footing to an extent. Um, yeah. Was gender equality in sport something that you always wanted to be a part of while you were in your kind of, uh, I suppose, infancy as, a, as an athlete um, through high school and through your late teens? Uh, or were you just someone who just wanted to get on with it and just play? Yeah, I never really thought about gender equality too much. I guess it was kind of always in my head that women couldn't play football professionally. So... I know when I was really young, I wanted to be an elite level basketballer. Um, I always wanted to be a professional um, athlete. Um, I love sport from a young age. So I guess, I don't know, it was just something that drew me towards football. And um, I just wanted to play it at the highest level possible. And um, in my lifetime, I thought that was just playing for Victoria or getting selected in an All-Australian team. I never thought that playing in the AFL was going to be possible. So, yeah, I guess I never really thought about gender equality too much there. How did you subsidise your passion for sport uh, in, in terms of just being able to live? Look, sport's always been such a high priority in my life. Um, I'm currently now a PE and health teacher. So, I mean, um, during the day, it's what I love as well. I just always fitted in. I just always made it a priority in my life and, you know, whether that be waking up really early in the morning and getting in a fitness session before work and um, getting in one after work, I guess the nature of my job and the hours I work, they're a little bit more flexible than, say, a nine-to-five job. So um, I guess I've been pretty privileged in that sort of way as well. What was What was your... You know, speaking now about training regime, you know, training regime, getting up early to fit things in, or or kind of moulding your schedule around um, your passion for for um, for sport. 
when you when you were growing up, what was your kind of training regime like? What did you what was a what was I suppose a standard day or a standard week like from that point of view? I guess growing up, like I've always had this really big drive and discipline in myself. So I guess what I now look back when I was, you know, a bit younger, what I thought was hard training is not hard training at all. <laughs> when I look back at that, I probably didn't really I mean, for football, I used to train um, two nights a week for local football and then we'd play on a Sunday and probably within that realm I'd, you know, also fit in a couple of runs and maybe a couple of swims. Um, It wasn't until I really um, started triathlon that I knew what real training was. So it was just about every every day um, apart from one, I'd usually do two sessions a day, whether that be swim, bike or run. And, you know, that was a pretty heavy schedule of getting up at at least 5 a.m., if not earlier, to fit in a session before work, as I said before. And, um, yeah, after work, fitting in another session. But, um, as I said, it's such a passion of mine, so I don't really think of it as a drag getting up early or, or anything like that. And I guess that stood me in really good stead for this AFLW season because, we're required um, by contract to be at the club at least nine hours a week, plus doing our strength sessions on top of that. So I guess I was used to, you know, putting aside that many hours because I used to put at least 15, if not more hours um, aside for my triathlon training. Um, what I've probably found found the most difficult in the AFLW is, um, you know, we don't finish training sometimes till 9pm. So, you know, after dinner and then getting home, um, you don't get into bed too early. So I guess when I was just training um, for triathlons on my own, I could could be in bed by 9pm so that it allowed me to get up, um, you know, the next day. But, you know, I, you know, I complain about not getting much sleep, but, you know, I, I wouldn't do it any different. I'm, I'm so glad that I've been given this opportunity to be a part of the AFLW. Small price to pay, I suppose, to fulfil a childhood dream. Oh, for sure. Yeah, definitely. I guess it probably wasn't even a childhood dream. It was kind of outside the realms of what you dreamt because you, it seemed like such a far-fetched concept. Yeah, that's very true. Like I do think of all these girls saying, oh, you know, that was my childhood dream to play professional football, but I I guess it wasn't. Um, for me, it was more just in recent years that I've been able to, um, you know, set my sights on that. What was what was the the conversation like when you got the phone call, or when you started to hear about the uh, the launch of this um, women's AFL league? Do you remember? Do you remember that moment? Yeah, initially I thought, oh well, you know, I'm not going to be a part of that. I've I've finished my footballing now, and I'm concentrating on my triathlon, and. Um, I guess in the big, you know, media hype around the AFLW, I was training for a really big race. So all my focus was on that. And then it wasn't until I kind of, you know, jokingly said to a couple of my friends, oh, maybe, you know, I'll nominate for the AFL draft. And there was kind of a bit of laughing and and that kind of thing. They just blew it off. And then I kept thinking about it and, my sister said, oh, you know, are you going to nominate? And I said, no, nah, I, don't, I don't know whether my heart's in it. You know, I'm concentrating on this race for triathlon. And and then I just kept thinking about it and it was always in the back of my mind and, and I was kind of umming and ahhing about it in my head quite a bit. And I thought, well, you know, if it's playing on my mind this much, maybe that's 
you know, telling me something. And then it was September where there was an exhibition match between the Melbourne women's and Western Bulldogs women's site. And um, it was actually a night before um, one of my big triathlon races. And I said to myself, I'll only watch it till half time because I really need to get up early the next morning and race. Well, I was glued to that TV screen. I couldn't turn it off. And um, I knew um, watching that match that I just had to nominate for the draft and um, otherwise I'd always have these feelings of regret that I didn't. So um, I'm super happy that, you know, the next um, morning I woke up and my decision was still the same, that I was going to nominate for the draft. And so what was the process like once you'd nominated for the draft um, from that kind of point to uh, being selected for Collingwood? Yeah, well, um, you know, anyone was eligible to um, nominate for the draft. You just had to fill out an online form and then it was basically sitting there and waiting. And um, Collingwood approached me and and met with me um, prior to the draft um, because they met with quite a few players. I think they tried to meet with about 90 players to interview them all. Other clubs interviewed some people and, you know, you'd hear rumours around around your footy circles and um, the Collingwood was really the only one that showed any interest in me initially. And then it was draft day and basically they read out all the names of everyone who had been drafted. So I was sitting at work um, hovering over my computer screen waiting for my name to possibly be called out. But I knew because I had been out of the game for two years that, you know, my chances were a bit slim because no one really knew where I was at in terms of my footy. Um, and I went through that three-hour process and my name didn't get called out. Um, and I was naturally a bit disappointed, but I also understood that, you know, some clubs probably didn't want to take a chance with me. That disappointment was pretty short-lived because it was um, a couple of hours after the draft that Collingwood actually called me up and said they'd like to meet with me. Um, and then the next morning I got a phone call from Melbourne Footy Club saying the same thing. So I, I met with both clubs and um, was pretty ironic that I then had a choice and I had to choose between Melbourne, obviously the team I grew up barracking for, and I had played a couple of games with Melbourne in the exhibition series, uh, and Collingwood, where a lot of my teammates from my, my local club had been recruited to so I know it was a pretty tough decision um, but in the end I chose Collingwood to to play with my my mates because I knew you know my footy career you know didn't have a lot of years left so I really wanted to play with with my friends and um, and that's where I've ended up. So how was the reaction I suppose backstage if you like to that first game being played uh, you know, it's 102 years in the making, this um, this professional women's AFL league. And as you said, the, the response from the public was overwhelmingly positive. You know, sold out games, people standing, waiting outside, being rejected entry into the parks, games being moved to bigger stadiums. What was the feeling like? I suppose, behind the scenes amongst the players as this was all kind of unfolding? Initially, we really didn't know what to expect. And that first match was scheduled. The Carlton Collingwood one was actually scheduled at our home ground, which is Olympic Park. 
And I think the capacity of that venue might be five to 7,000 people and we don't even have any um, seats anywhere. It's all standing room. So I think initially we were a bit worried that we might draw a crowd of, you know, a bit bigger than that. And then when they moved it to Icon Park, we had no idea that it was going to be a full house and that they were going to have to lock the gates. So I think actually on field, I didn't get selected for that first match, but on field I think the girls found it really hard to hear themselves um, yelling out to each other and that kind of thing just due to the enormous crowd. And I think the most any female footballers really played in in front of in terms of crowd numbers before that is probably about 7,500. So... Yeah, it surprised all of us and we were, you know, pleasantly overwhelmed um, by the builder. And has that kind of continued to be the case as as the season has kind of rolled on? I know that the, the grand final is uh, is not too far away. And I suppose will, will this first season of AFLW, this is kind of a redundant question, but I'm going to ask anyway, do you, do you feel as though this first yeah. season will, will be seen as a success? Oh, yeah, I definitely think it will be. It, it's been a whole season of unknowns. Every team has been chosen from scratch. No one knew which team was going to be better than the other. Um, I mean, Brisbane's won all their games. I don't think if you asked anyone before the season whether that would happen. As you said, the crowd numbers in the first round, I guess people will probably you know, wanting to see what this women's football would be like. And I think people probably thought that the crowd numbers would have really fallen off. But I think quite consistently we've been getting, you know, between five and 10,000 people to, to every game. And this spectacle, I think it just keeps growing. Everyone I've spoken to has been extremely positive about it. And I think most of the media surrounding the league has been positive. So, you know, I don't think they could have asked for a better initiation, I guess, for the game. How would you ideally like to see like to see it grow over the coming sort of years and decades? I think it'd be great to see uh, the players as full time athletes. Uh, I think sometimes people are, are very quick to judge the standard of women's football, but it's not going to be equal to the men, and we don't necessarily want to be compared to the men. It's our own kind of brand of football. But I guess the idea would be a full-time female athlete that can just turn up to training, do their recovery, get their massages and increase their skill level and, and work on all these things to, you know, make sure the game does get better. I know, you know, a lot of our girls, we, we, we rush from work to get to training or, you know, we have to take days off when we've got interstate trips. Um, and that kind of thing and just you know your general fatigue from working a full-time job plus trying to be a semi-professional athlete is quite difficult. On a, I suppose on a personal level sort of beyond that um, you know you you said that you retired and you went on to um, you know compete in triathlons and now you've come back to football I suppose from a personal point of view, how will you define your career as being a success? I think anything now in my football is a bonus. I really had a lot of closure when I retired from the game and I knew that I'd given my absolute all um, to the game for those 13 years. So I really feel blessed that I've been given this opportunity to play in the AFLW 
because I know a lot of people are saying, if only I was five years younger, if only I was 10 years younger. And I was like, well, yeah, I am 33 and it would be lovely to be that, that young, but at least I'm still here and at least I've still got an opportunity. So everything that I've been given through this experience, I just, um, you know, find as an absolute bonus and I feel really blessed, as I said, yeah, to be given this great opportunity. So do you think that, you know, simply having had this opportunity to be a part of this inaugural season and, you know, whatever happens beyond this, do you feel as though that has uh, that has given you a degree of success or is that kind of like the icing on the cake of, of what you already felt like was um, a great part of your life? Yeah, I think it does feel a bit like the icing on the cake. You know, I always like to challenge myself though and, and out of the six games that we've played already this season, I've only been selected in two of those games. So it's kind of really got that fire burning in my belly again to to go back to the state league and play in the VFL and really get my footy skills back up. And really I do want to have another go next year at possibly getting into an AFL side. That's fantastic. What's your what's your favorite thing about or what do you love about AFL? I love oh in terms of playing at this level, I love that we're treated like professionals and we're, we've been given, um, you know, the elite facilities and elite coaches and and all that. But I guess no matter what level you play at, I just think football is such a great sport. And as I speak about that family, if anything um, happens to someone, there's always a support network and there's no other game like it where you can play with 22 of your best mates. And, and basically put your body on your line put your body on the line for them it's very very true it's uh it's a sport unlike any other in the world um, and thank you uh, so much for sharing your story with me uh, I, I, uh, I finish every conversation with the same question uh, and that question is what makes you silly what makes me silly I guess. People think I'm a bit silly about how um, disciplined I am about certain things. They think I'm a bit crazy, I think, too. <laughs> what sort of things? <laughs> uh, well, you know, getting up at stupid o'clock in the morning to train and, um, you know, I eat a few weird foods and that kind of thing. <laughs> what, sort of, what sort of alarm do you use to wake up? Oh, I just use the good old iPhone. I set one five minutes apart. So if I press snooze on the first one, I know I've got to get it up five minutes later. Yeah, I do that trick as well. Someone told me recently yeah. about a light alarm, which I'd never heard of, but it's like instead of it being a sound-based alarm, it's a visual alarm that wakes you up with light. Oh, okay. I don't know whether I'd like that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Lou. No problems. Thanks for having me.